Hey everyone, welcome to Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and today we're going to be talking to our guests, Phil and Jeff, about planting in 2021 and the benefits that they see from seed scripting. So stay tuned. Phil, Jeff, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, no problem. Well, well, Phil, how about uh, how about I start with you first? How about you tell the listeners, you know, where you're from, you know, your career in ag, and kind of kind of what you're up to. Well, I started in agriculture actually in high school. So worked on a farm and then farmed with a guy for about 17 years in South Central Nebraska, uh, around Minden, Nebraska. Uh, then in 90, 1992, I got into the retail business, and the fall of 1993, I moved out to eastern Iowa. Uh, worked at a couple different places before I started at Cedar County Co-op, where I am now. Been here 16, gone 17 years, selling fertilizer, chemicals, and seed, and currently managing the seed department at Cedar County Co-op. Nice, nice. Well, thanks again for uh, for joining the show here. So... Uh, Jeff, how about yourself? I'll kick it over to you. Uh, what uh, What's your story? Well, I graduated high school in 1978 and uh, went to two years of, of uh, community college in an ag management uh, 20 miles south of home. Ended up staying at home. Um, rented a neighbor's farm the year I graduated high school, small 50 acres. And the next year, Dad and I formed a partnership um, uh, Operated that with him until uh, 2013 when he retired at the age of 75. <laughs> My wife uh, farms with me now. Um, she's a retired school teacher, took early retirement, and uh, we farm about 1,800 or so acres. Um, we run a herd of stock cows, about 100, 120 cows, and we own part of a, a farrowing unit, and we feed about 8,000 pigs out of there a year. Oh. Raising cattle, so you're just absolutely loving how brutal this winter is, then, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you find out what you're made of, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, hopefully, calving season hasn't started yet. Yeah, we'll at least right, hold off yeah. for another few weeks. That's right. Yeah, about the end of March. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, hey, you know, Phil, I, I'm going to start with you here. I know that uh, it, it's you know we're, we're sitting here in winter time, but Planting season is going to be going to be catching up to us here quickly, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about just planting scripts. Uh, I know you've worked on a, on a lot of those on the past. Um, how do you you know really work with your farmers when uh, when it comes to uh, to planting prescriptions? Well, it really starts in the fall. You know, after harvest gets going, you start thinking about selling seed. The first thing you got to do is pick out a hybrid that's going to work across the field, you know, before you even really start thinking about the population. Um, and then you need to look at, you start looking at past yield data, because uh, our yield data from past years is what we use to, or is what the, what the program uses to help, you know, determine populations and that. So, like I say, picking a hybrid, one that the grower, you know, is going to feel comfortable with in that field. And then just figuring out which years of data and stuff you're going to use. And, and then come, you know, about this time of year, then we'll start, uh, you know, running the prescriptions and, and going over them and 
you know, get comfortable with what our plan is. So, so it's really, you know, kind of a drawn out process over a few months, but. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, it, Jeff, you know, from, from your point of view, you know, as Phil talks about, you know, this conversation gets started in the fall. Uh, a lot of these decisions have to be made while you're kind of while you're sitting in the cab of the combine, right? Yeah, we do an awful lot of evaluating of what worked good this year. And when you take a year like 2020, though, you have to, or any year that it's really extreme, you, you don't know if you really, um, maybe you had, for instance, we had an awful lot of wind with the derecho, and there were some hybrids that in parts of the field where they didn't blow down yielded tremendously well, and then, you know, they didn't take the wind real well. So you have to ask yourself, how much uh, do you put, how much stock do you put in, the, in this year's results? But, yeah, over, like Phil said, you look at multiple years' worth of results to decide where you're going to place what hybrid, I guess. And um, um, But, yeah, we we think about this a long time. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. How long have you been uh, been running uh, planting prescriptions on your operation? Oh, I'm not even sure. How long, Phil? We've, oh, we've been doing them at least four years. Four or five years. I think, yeah, yeah. 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 Have the tools or, you know, decision-making, you know, changed over that, over the course of that time? Yeah. I mean, now we, we're using the climate field view auto scripting is what we're using. And so once you determine what hybrid you're using, I mean, it's really easy. You go in there and you tell the program what hybrid it is and, and it's going to, and you tell it which years of data you want to use because you don't, if you get some skewed data from a year, you know, you want to throw that data out. And we've done yeah. that several times. <clears throat> but once you have that data and you pick out the ones, I mean, it automatically picks out the zones, creates its own zones, you know, according to the hybrid. You know, if you take two different hybrids in the same field, it's going to make a different prescription for each hybrid because it knows the nuances of each hybrid. And once you get that population and go over it with like Jeff and we both agree on it. Then it's just a matter of clicking a couple of buttons. It goes to the cloud back down to his iPad and into his controller. So it's uh, the digital tools here have made it pretty easy compared to some of the things you had to do the way you did it before. But, yeah, I said I cut my teeth uh, on uh, on making prescriptions years ago, and uh, this was back when you were manually drawing in whether it was yield zone or you right. know doing yield zones or soil types, and man, that was just one time consuming process back uh, back then. Correct. Yeah, we don't have to do near as much of that. The program's doing all that for us now, and it knows the hybrid, and it can and, and it and it's knowing the soils. It sees that stuff in the background. And yep. we're not having to do that work like like you did, and makes it a lot easier, a lot faster, and probably more accurate. But yep, Jeff. I mean, when when you look at digital tools just as a as a whole, you know, not necessarily just a scripting piece. Uh, how's how's a lot of these new tools really played a role in in your operation? Well, it gives us the opportunity to um, manage things not by the field. Uh, maybe by the foot, by the square foot, maybe by the seed. Um, we, we, you know, let's just put the the right population where where it'll do the best in the field. We we don't have a lot of variability in our soils, but we do have 
a spot here or there with a little sand on the side hill and you can't, you can't push population there. It'll fall on his face. So between that and the ability to uh, do variable nitrogen uh, recommendations, for instance, I think we're a lot, we're being a lot better stewards of, of our inputs and the environment. I guess that's that's the way I boil it down. Have you seen your your planting rates really change over the course of time, you know, as you've been using these scripts? I don't think we're doing much different. I think we're just reallocating it to the part of the field. Yeah, I don't think total populations no. have changed that much. It's just you have a <clears throat> range through the field. It's the same thing we do on fertilizer. It's we're using about the same amount of product, yeah. but it's getting put where it needs to be. When I look at yeah. when I look at the, you know, at the map, uh, pull up the data at the end after fields planted and see the average. It'll give you the average per acre, and we're in that thirty-five to thirty-six thousand uh, range on a lot of them. And um, you know, to me, that's that's just about right. Yep. Yeah, I, Dad and I have had a lot of those conversations, you know, and you talked about it. We, we have a lot of sand, sand knolls and corners in, uh, in fields. And, man, a lot of times we're pushing populations down to, you know, 15,000 plants per acre down on that sand and putting a little bit more on, on some of the heavier good dirt. So, um, no, I understand uh, the whole reallocation process there. So, you know, Phil, uh, when, you're, when you're recommending some of these tools to your farmers, how do you, how do you talk, to, talk to a guy to, to just kind of get them, you know, into that whole process? Well, you know, like I said, we use the climate field view, but I, I tell a guy that if you're going to use any of these digital tools, first thing you want to do is, is use one that's user-friendly. You know, you don't, and then if you can get one that'll carry all the way through planting, all the way through harvest, so, which also makes it easier because if you go out there and you find one that's hard to use and is confusing and you don't quite understand, you're going to just quit using it before you ever get a chance to see what it does for you. So, so that's the number one thing is, and I think Jeff will test to you on the climate field view, the user friendliness of that program is what makes people keep using it. So, um. Jeff, are you, are you primarily using it on uh, iPad, on your phone, or a little mix of both? Yeah, we've got. I've got a laptop that's on too. The the desktop version. We carry it in our phones. We've got. We carry two iPads in the tractors anyway because that runs our our uh, RTK signal comes through there. So it's a neat fit that that all can pile on in, onto the iPad. Uh, we just we don't have room in the cab for one more. One, one more thing, I don't think. <laughs> I would say that the field view with the precision planning, the way that fit together, you can do a whole lot with a couple with a couple things. You know, um, there's an awful lot of stuff running through that. Uh, it's amazing to me. I never never would have anticipated forty three years ago when I started this, we'd be doing anything right. remotely close to this. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing the the amount of power they pack into a into a small little uh, little machine there. But uh, man, they're they're one of the most uh, important tools that uh, that we're seeing in farming at this point in time. So for for data wise, um, you know, as far as for you know, so, so Jeff, you, you made the the decision to to jump into scripting uh, a few years back. Um, you know, a lot of farmers are asking, you know, hey, how's that impact my bottom line? Is it worth doing? Uh, how did you come to that uh, that decision that that you were ready to jump into into variable rate? Well, um, 
I'll give you an example. It was probably after we'd been doing it for a while, but it's a, it's an illustration that stuck in my head. But in 2018, and I know it was climate, or I guess it might have been Asgro that wanted to do a, a, a variable, uh, not a variable, but a, a population study on soybeans. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we were planting our beans in, in 30-inch rows. And I was hearing from Iowa State and other people, you can, you can pull those populations back. So we ran a 75-acre field. Um, and Phil set, set, had it set up so that we ran anywhere from 120 to 180,000. Uh, and, um, when we got done with it and compared it, it was, it was gratifying to see that as we pulled down closer to that 120, 130 range, we really weren't hurting yield at all. I know talking to a lot of guys, uh, you know, population, lowering population and then, uh, early planting dates. So, uh, have you, have you dabbled into that at all? Yeah, that field was the first year that we planted soybeans in April, and um, we had we had pretty good result, didn't we? Phil? Yeah, I think the field averaged ninety seven yeah. bushels that year. I believe it was. <coughs> we, got, we got a yeah. we got a trip to Orlando over that deal. Our yeah. our, t- our <laughs> ten acre plot averaged one hundred seven in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. We were. Yeah. Wow, that is awesome. That yeah. sold us on early planting beans. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you primarily early planting beans uh, at this point now? Trying to be. 2019, it was hard to get anything in early, but right. um, and our, our goal is to start the soybean planter, and uh, that way you're doing something, and then two or three days when the soil's fit, then you start planting corn. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Jeff, I also know that, uh, understand that, uh, that you and your wife do a lot for, uh, for young farmers, uh, as well. Can you, uh, can you just tell the listeners, uh, just some of the activities that y'all do? Well, I guess one, one farmer, one young farmer in particular, we've got a neighbor, uh, he's not a boy anymore. He's 30 years old, but he grew up in our neighborhood and, uh, known the family all my life. And, uh, just a great young man, a hard worker, um, wanted a chance to farm. His family farm didn't, didn't get passed to the next generation like they had kind of hoped. Um, um, non-farming relatives wanted, wanted their money, so the farm got sold. So long story short, he was working a John Deere dealership. My dad was retiring. I needed help. He wanted an opportunity. And um, he, he asked me who I was going to hire, and I said, I, I haven't thought about it yet, but are you interested? Yeah. I said, well, I don't know if I can compete with John Deere. And he said, well, I don't have to earn that much money. I, I, I just, I want to know that I've got an opportunity to farm someday. So he worked for us for five years. And then in 2020, we started a, a new f- partnership, uh, my wife and I did with him called Rose Valley Farm. And, uh, he's, he's buying his way into that. And, um, it's, it's been a good, it's been a real good relationship. And, um, so that's that's basically, you know, what we're we're trying to do. It's 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 beneficial to both of us. Um, I I have two daughters and a son, and none of them are. Um, my son's in the Air Force. He didn't he didn't want to farm. So uh, it was either find somebody young with some energy, or I'd be I'd be uh, looking for something a little easier than farming to do. I think for the rest of my career. <laughs> 
Well, uh, two two things on that. First off, uh, please uh, please thank your son for uh, for for serving and uh, and all the service that he does there as well. So I appreciate that. Uh, and second off, I mean that is fantastic. I think to uh, to give uh, you know the the next generation uh, an opportunity to farm. I think that is uh, that is fantastic. So uh, hats off to to you and your wife for for really you know taking the taking the lead on that. And uh, hopefully that uh, that kind of starts cascading across the country. So. So one uh, one other thing I was going to ask, uh, you know, as we start thinking about just all this, uh, you know, a lot of advice and and different practices, um, can you share both of you share with the listeners the best piece of advice that you've received when it comes to farming? Well, I'll go first on that. I think I think the most important thing is to if a person should set goals each year. You know, I've been told that you, you'll set a goal, you know, whether it be your yield goal or your pricing goal or, you know, you know, whatever it is, and then be happy when you reach that goal. If you reach that goal in a year, you know, maybe it could have been better. Uh, but the following year, you can set the goal higher then. But, but to always set a goal and, and try to reach that, it's going to make you perform better, I think. So, yeah, kind of goes with, any, with anything, not just farming. I mean, how about you, Jeff? Oh, my dad always used to say you have to walk before you can run. And um, that's, kind of, I would say, a little bit opposite of what we do with technology. We've been um, right. <laughs> been willing to grab a hold of some of that before we really understood it. Um, but that's the, the, the walk before you can run. Make sure you can handle what you've got before you bite any more off, I guess. Um my my advice that I give other people, not that anybody asks for it, is is don't be afraid to reach out to somebody else for help. And and I'm talking about, you know, I I we've just harvested our my forty third crop. I've learned more in the last six or seven years, um, you know, with with all the technology that's out there. I'm learning new things all the time, and it's and it's above my pay grade a lot of times. But I've, I'm very comfortable with Phil knowing uh, the ins and outs of the climate platform without a doubt. And then um, we also collaborate with some, um, you know, an outside agronomist that works well with Phil, but he's just, he's got some ideas that we've tried that have made a a tremendous difference with, um, you know, the other things we invest in the equipment, the technology. And I I feel like we're, we're, our, our crop yields have been awful good. You know, we've got a pretty good five year average you take out 19 and 20. The five years before that were, were awful good. I was real proud of what we were doing. So, you know, I, I, so I, I guess I would say there's a lot of things you can't handle on your own. Don't be afraid to find somebody else that can specialize in that. They, they cost money, but I, I found that most of them pay their way. I think that is a fantastic piece of advice uh, from from both of you. So I, I do appreciate that, uh, and it's uh, it's always good uh, to 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 get a lot of that uh, that knowledge and expertise from from folks. And uh, and I know a lot of people are uh, asking those same questions. So uh, so thank you both for that. Um, one last question: Is the local little uh, little locally run uh, theater in Tipton still uh, still showing movies? 
No, it's not showing movies anymore, but they're trying to restore the theater. I'm not sure what all they're wanting to do with it, but there's a big fun drive to kind of refurbish the whole building and Oh, that is great. more what their no, that's, total plan is. That sounds about right. The gal in the office here is on the committee. I could ask her. But, yeah. But, yeah, there hasn't been movies for a few years. Uh, gotcha. Well, I know last time I drove by, I just think that's one of the neatest little uh, little parts of uh, downtown there. So I uh, just thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd ask. <laughs> uh-huh. so, all right. Well, Phil, Jeff, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining the podcast here. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, having this conversation. And uh, good luck uh, in, uh, in, in the uh, 2021 planting season. Yeah. Thank you. If we can get rid of some snow. We'll be right out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. All right. Take all right, care. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hey, I just want to give a special thanks to Phil and Jeff for joining us on the podcast today. I'm still in awe about the about the soybean uh, yield. That is absolutely amazing. And hey, with that, I want to say if you like the video today, be sure to like the video and subscribe and ring the bell to get notified each and every time that we post up new content. And also, we're available wherever you listen to podcasts, also on YouTube. So with that, we'll see you around the farm. Mm-hmm.